again, everyone! Welcome back to Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike Wong, I'm your host, and we just had episode one of the second season of Star Trek Discovery, and what an episode it was! My thoughts and feelings are basically overflowing right now, but I'm gonna try to clamp down on them and save them for next time when I'll have a very special guest on to discuss episode one of season two, Brother, with me. Today, I'm bringing you sounds from the American Geophysical Union, or AGU, meeting in December of last year. The AGU meeting is one of the largest scientific gatherings on Earth. Last year, nearly 28,000 scientists gathered in Washington, D.C. to discuss the latest research in Earth and planetary sciences. During that week-long meeting, I got to catch up with a lot of my friends from around the world, and today, you're going to hear some of their voices. So let's start off with one who has been on Strange New Worlds before. I want to welcome Erica Carlson back on Strange New Worlds. She's been on twice before and is joining me for lunch at HEU on day one, Monday. And we just had some scrumptious mushroom pizza <laughs> at a place called... Matchbox. Yes. So I'm asking everyone at this conference, because the AGU theme this year is what science stands for, what science stands for. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Each AGU meeting has a theme. And this year's theme, what science stands for, seemed super appropriate. After all, we were in D.C., where scientists often come to to influence policy and enact change. So I thought I'd pull my fellow AGU-goers and ask, what did they think science stands for? And I got some pretty interesting responses. Okay, I guess that's my cue. So I'm going to answer this question by pulling out my... um, precision of language is important journalist hat and saying that science isn't standing for things but science community can stand for things Um, because science itself is you know the process of how we do something so I think the interesting question is what does the science community stand for and whether science community, scientific community, thinks it needs to extend itself outside of maybe the traditional realm of research and talk about issues that affect maybe a broader range of people and yeah, issues that people are concerned about in their community. Um, So I'm going to weasel my way out of this question (laughs) by asking (laughs) what does the scientific community stand for? What does the science community stand for? I'd be interested in hearing what people say about that. Okay. So remind people what you do. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I am a science writer, science journalist. I used to be a science grad student. Um, Yeah, but now I am science writing, basically full-time. I'm a student, but also an intern, but also a freelancer, doing a bunch of things. Um, Yeah, so I I write about science 
science research or about scientific issues going on in local communities for outlets that are either like national news sites or like local newspapers. And so through your writing, through your delving into scientific stories, what are some of the things that the local scientific community stands for in Santa Cruz? Yes, I'm currently based in Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz Science Communication Program. And I've been working as an intern at their local paper for the past quarter of my academic year. Yeah, I mean, I would say, so a lot of the reporting that I've done for the Santa Cruz newspaper has to do with kind of issues that are on the minds of people in their day-to-day -day lives, and then writing about the science angle of it. So, for example, um, wildfires have been a big topic in California lately. Um, one of my, actually my first article that I wrote for the Santa Cruz Sentinel, where I was an intern, was about how PG&E was doing this tree clearing, tree trimming process around power lines in the Santa Cruz communities. Um, and the article kind of focused on a lot of the, like the miscommunication that was going on, people weren't exactly sure what was going on, but also talked about wildfire safety and how that was how PG&E decided to address that issue. Um, another recent article I wrote was about algal blooms, which are a big issue actually in, um, for example, the Monterey Bay, where Santa Cruz is, um, because, and in San Francisco Bay also, because there are certain kinds of harmful algae species that produce toxins that can build up in the meat of crabs, or, well, smaller shellfish that get eaten by the crabs, so it builds up even more on the crabs. And these crabs, called Dungeness crabs, is a specific kind that people really like in the area. Not me, because I'm allergic to crabs, Okay. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I grew up in the Bay Area, but I didn't know this was a big thing either. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, Dungeness crab is a big thing, at least in the Monterey Bay Area. And when there are certain algal blooms, um, this toxin can build up naturally in the meat of the crabs. And, and it's not safe for people to eat. So I wrote a story recently about how some Santa Cruz researchers uh, are using a robot to take samples of seawater from Monterey Bay and take pictures, automatically take pictures of all the phytoplankton, all the algae species in that water sample. And then actually they have this computer program they run it through, that they describe it like facial recognition software, like Facebook tagging you in photos, where they can actually identify the different algae species in the water based off of just these little black and white photos. Um, and they're hoping this will be a way that they can help alert people early when there is a harmful algal bloom about to happen. When you see a lot of these, a lot of the potentially harmful species um, starting to pop up, then you can kind of alert people and maybe you don't go out fishing or crabbing or something like that. Right. Well, that sounds really great. So it sounds like the scientific community, at least from the stories that you've written, stands for health and safety. Yeah, and came, yeah, and just kind of issue, yeah, addressing issues that people are concerned about in the area. At least those are the stories that we look for as newspaper writers. Is we look for the stories that people are going to care about because it affects their safety, it affects their their health. And as a science reporter, I look at the science angle for addressing how are people, how are scientists or people in the local community addressing those issues. That was a really awesome answer. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> so to Erica. Science stands for health and safety. 
For her, through her reporting and writing, she's experiencing how science can help mitigate the damage from wildfires in her local community, and also limit health concerns due to algal blooms that make toxins build up in meat that we consume. In Star Trek, we see that science is a fundamental aspect of a brighter future that makes a society, the Federation namely, much healthier and safer to live in than our present world. For instance, science has given the Star Trek future some amazing medical technologies, from hyposprays to biobeds, and taking care of the environment is a central theme in Star Trek, especially hit home in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home where Captain Kirk and crew have to travel back in time to rescue some extinct humpback whales and bring them into the future. We also see hints of environmentalism in the first season of Star Trek Discovery, where Saru and crew comment on the usage of the mycelial network by their mirror universe counterparts, saying how siphoning mycelial energy for those uses is destroying the network, and how irresponsible it is for the Terran Empire to be using this exhaustible resource for such short-term gains. You know, when it comes to environmentalism, some may rightfully point out that technology and science actually got us into this rut. And that's true. The Industrial Revolution is basically responsible for the fact that our globe is now warming due to human activities. But Star Trek offers us a hopeful future where science and technology combined with human intelligence and compassion can get us out of this issue and usher us into a brighter, more responsible and forward-thinking future. So that was a great answer from Erica, and I want to thank her once again for being my guest on Strange New Worlds. Next up is another old voice and a brand new one. Voon Hoi Lai is a graduate student in geophysics at Caltech who has never been on this podcast before. And Jamie Sue Rankin is a postdoc at Princeton who was last featured on episode 16 of Strange New Worlds titled The Real Vigers, where she talked about her research on the Voyager probes. Now, to meet them, we're going to have to take a step outside into the chilly December D.C. air. So we're, we're at Zoo Lights, the, the National Zoo. It's really cold, but it's so pretty. All the lights are out. We're about to go see some gingerbread creations. And uh, I know that's, that's not something typical at a zoo. Uh, but all the animals are sleeping. <laughs> Which is a good thing because they'd probably enjoy the gingerbread if they were awake. That's true. Yeah. Om nom nom. Okay. Yeah, so I'm here with Voon, Voon Lai, Voon Hui Lai. Is that how you say it? How's yeah. pronounced your name correctly? You yes. pronounce your name so that I know. Voon Hui Lai. Yes, yes, I did a fairly good approximation. Who is a graduate student 
studying Caltech, yeah. uh, doing observational seismology. And Jamie Sue Rankin, who is now postdoc at Princeton, but just finished up at Caltech about three months ago, and uh, I'm uh, doing work on Voyager, like I did at Caltech, um, continuing that work, and also working on Parker Solar Probe and IBEX, and then a new IMAP mission that will be launched in 2024 and measure the outer heliosphere. Yeah, so one person looking inside of the Earth and one person looking way out there towards the stars. Okay. What do you think about these gingerbread things? No wonder it didn't offset the elephant pool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The the air currently reeks with elephant poop, yet we cannot see any elephants. <laughs> I, I have a question for you guys. Um, I've been asking people at AGU, what does science stand for? Because that is the theme of AGU this year. So, Voon and Jamie, what does science stand for to you? I think science stands for wonder. It's finally, you see something that was beautiful and amazing and unusual and then you are able to explain why and that's the wonder of science and that's what science should be standing for so in your own research what is something that brings wonderment to your life i think uh just like an example of uh, hawaii why did, why is hawaii at hawaii in the middle of nowhere and then where is the source of hawaii and then why is it there since like 30 million years ago and um, it's just a puzzling and then and it creates such beautiful island and you wonder where where did it come from so that was a sort of like i found it wonderful and then the source of hawaii is actually all the way down in the commenter boundary and it's just like the commenter boundary was like six thousand like uh the radius is 6,300 and then the core mental boundary is about 2,800 kilometers deep and that's the source. So like very far deep into the earth, like unfathomably deep into the earth. And that is, that's, a, that's this little source thing pops and comes up Hawaii. So it's like the earth pooped out a little bit Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> In uh, following the theme of elephant poop, since I'm still smelling it right now, yes. <laughs> And then you want you wonder where where things have come from, and then you want to know the origin. And science is the way to find it. And sometimes it's very surprising where things come from. So Jamie, what does science mean? What does science stand for? I think discovery, and it's related to wonder. But I think it's beautiful when a whole bunch of diverse uh, observations, measurements, ideas concepts come together and they link the, uh, the fundamental truth of the best approximates reality to, um, to some greater understanding. It gives us the answer for like the wonders. I think that's beautiful when we're able to uh, see things come together in this way. If everything was just easily explainable, it would be kind of boring. So when unexplainable phenomena occur and you make discoveries, that's that's pretty fun because it makes you want to search further and it's also humbling because it it, it it makes us realize how much we don't know and in some ways we've been focusing on the good part of science right all the pretty things but then there's also bad things that happen like natural disaster 
then you want explanation for why these things happen or how these things happen how like how can i better and how to prevent prevent or prepare or what if we are the disaster how do we prevent ourselves from making it worse so to voon science stands for wonder such as the wonder of hawaii which is a beautiful place and i highly recommend going there if you've never been but the puzzle of why Hawaii is basically in the middle of nowhere is also beautiful. It's a beautiful puzzle with a beautiful answer that Voon is actively working on. Puzzles are a part of science, and finding joy in thinking about the unknown brings us wonder. And it reminds me of this puzzle that we're on in season two of Discovery right now, the puzzle of the red bursts, which I hope sparks some kind of curiosity in you about what is out there, who is out there, and how they might communicate with us. Now to Jamie, science stands for discovery. And I wonder if she said that simply because of the latest Star Trek series. But yes, going out there to find something new, not just the known unknowns, but to discover new unknown unknowns, things that you could have never predicted, is a central part of science. We never know where our thoughts and calculations, where our lab experiments and spacecraft are going to take us. And we're often surprised by what we see out there and what new questions bubble up from our explorations. And I think this aspect of science can be very well appreciated in Star Trek, where the crews of the various spacecraft of our imaginations are taking us to explore strange new worlds and seek out new civilizations, but also, as Q said, to chart the unknown possibilities of existence. So that was a wonderful discussion that I had at the National Zoo, and thank you very much, Voon and Jamie, for indulging me on that walk. So I normally go to AGU as a participating scientist, as somebody who's going there to share their latest scientific research with the broader scientific community. But this time, I was mostly at AGU as a science communicator, and my presentation was in one of the education and outreach sessions. I had a poster about, guess what? Strange new worlds! Yes, I was talking about my experiences as a science podcaster, and how I've incorporated podcasting into the classroom as a learning tool. So at my poster, I talked about how I got into podcasting and how I conduct this very podcast. I also talked about how podcasting has benefited me as a scientist and as a science communicator, and how podcasting in the classroom can be a really cool alternative medium for students to showcase their mastery of knowledge. While I was at my poster, a bunch of cool people stopped by, I made some new science communication connections, and met some aspiring new podcasters who want to start programs of their own. In addition, an old friendly face stopped by, somebody who's been on this podcast numerous times before. 
So I'm here at my poster, podcasting in the classroom and across the stars, and look who just walked up. It's Cecilia Sanders from Caltech, who's been on my podcast at least twice. Three times. <laughs> yeah, three times. And so I'm asking everybody at this conference what science stands for, because that's the theme of AGU this year. So Cecilia, what does science stand for? Science stands for, I don't have to come up with an acronym, do I? Uh, that's a... I, I, don't, I don't think that's a <laughs> okay, necessary part of it. That's too many letters. Okay, so I think that science stands for curiosity paired with wonder. I know that the motivation for most of my research um, at its very heart and core is just a sense of wonder about the universe and about what a small part we play in it. Um, and yet somehow a big part being the part of the universe that's capable of looking back at itself and asking why are we the way that we are and not some other way and could we have been some other way um, and then curiosity paired with that wonder which is sort of the drive to go try to answer some of those small questions that make up the big ones so I think that <clears throat> especially as we talk about the future of space exploration or the pairing of Earth and space science and the role of different companies and sort of inspiring singular hero figures, uh, I think it's important to get back to the, the root of science, that sense of wonder and curiosity that every human has. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm recovering. <laughs> that sense of curiosity and wonder that every human has, every human is born with and carries it throughout their lives and finds some way to satisfy it or sate it, if just temporarily. Um, I don't think that science is necessarily about being the best or being better than others or being uh, more powerful or more influential necessarily. Knowledge is certainly a very powerful thing, um, a force for good, a force for evil, all of these things, but um, at its root we seek knowledge because it's fundamentally human to do so. Um, so, so yeah, long answer to a short question. Science to me stands for wonder paired with curiosity and hopefully um, paired with compassion and a desire to share. That's a great answer. I love that, uh, that spirit of science there. And I, I feel like it perfectly fits into the point of AGU, the American Geophysical Union, to combine Earth and space science and ask those big questions that we are all, as you said, born curious about. So thank you for your input again for Strange New World, Cecilia, and it was really wonderful seeing you here at AGU. Yeah, thank you, Mike. We miss you back at Caltech, but we're super excited that, you know, you're keeping the dream alive. <laughs> Isn't Cecilia just so eloquent all the time? I mean, curiosity paired with wonder. Yes, we are this small part of a grand evolving universe, but we're also such an important part of it. We're the part that can understand itself and where it came from. In fact, we're the part that is compelled to understand the universe because it is fundamentally human. And wow, isn't that just quintessentially Star Trek? 
Finally, on the last day of AGU, I caught up with my friend Hima Hasenruk Gudapati, who has never been on Strange New Worlds before. And here's what she had to say when I asked her what science stands for. So I'm here with Hima Hasenruk Gudipati, and uh, she's a friend from Caltech, um, and now is at UT Austin. And Hima, what does science stand for? For me, science stands for um, education. I think it's really important for everybody to learn how to think critically. Um, and with that comes understanding what is already out there, thinking about what we still need, really need to learn, and then coming up with um, creative solutions and how to uh, answer these questions of what we don't really know uh, works. So educating people on how to go through the critical thinking process is really important. I love that answer. Yeah, so what do you think a more science-educated general public would be able to accomplish that a less educated one would not be able to? I think one thing that um, a more science-educated public could bring to the table is that they can also understand that science is evolving over time. You might think that one thing is the correct answer at the time, but really we're just constantly learning about it and evolving um, with that and so that we both have to realize when there's an opportunity for improvement but also understand what already are known what, what we already know about the world yeah definitely uh, it's just the fields of science that uh, that we're familiar with have moved so quickly in the past few decades and it's really important that the the public understands that science isn't a stagnant thing that we don't have all of the answers to all of the questions right now but that's why we're here because we're curious and we're trying to figure out those answers and we're trying to grow our knowledge but it's a process and so yeah so science is a process science is a education. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Hima. Thanks, Mike. So to Hima, science stands for education. And I couldn't agree more. In Star Trek, we have a future where people appreciate and respect science, a culture that doesn't view science's results as fake news. I really think that a more science-literate populace is a stronger one. After all, science is the basis of our modern culture. Every time you power up your computer, or start the engine on your car, or use your GPS, you are using modern science. And the great thing is that you don't have to make science your profession to be able to appreciate it. I see basic science like art or music. You don't have to be a professional artist or musician to enjoy those things. So you don't have to be an active scientist to really gain a lot of wonder and happiness from scientific output. And I think that we need to ingrain that kind of attitude towards science in our youth so that they can grow up and blossom into informed citizens of our global community and realize the real-life impact that they have on each other and on the world. So education, yes, absolutely, that is what science stands for. Well, that was my last interview from AGU. And amazingly, though Dr. James T. Keen was my roommate at AGU, and he's been one of my best and most reliable Strange New Worlds guests, 
I didn't interview him at all that week, even though we spent so many hours together. The reason was... We spent all those hours watching Star Trek, including a marathon of Star Trek for his birthday, which was on the last day of the conference. But tonight, I will face one of my greatest challenges so far. Tonight, we are having a party. Happy birthday, James! Anyway, that concludes episode 58 of Strange New Worlds, What Science Stands For, from AGU 2018. I'll be back soon with a ton of thoughts on Star Trek Discovery. Until then, see you out there. All right, we're looking at a really cool exhibit where there are these uh, solid mounds of brown stuff. It says, who lives in poop? And you can open it up. Voon's opening it up, and there's a little diagram on the inside that says, beetles, termites, frogs, and other critters lives in poop. And there's a, there's a picture of a frog living in a poop. I'm really glad I do space physics right now. <laughs> <laughs> and don't have to deal with organic materials.